Welcome to the Cross-Chaining Podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Mayer. In today's episode, I cross chains with Ben Eagle. Uh, ben Eagle is initially from Joburg, but he's been living in, in Cape Town for the past few years. And he's a really well-known designer locally and uh, graphic designer. And he is uh, also a huge fan of riding bikes. And uh, that's how we kind of met, uh, just riding bikes. <clears throat> and he's just a great, great personality and uh, someone uh, who I've kind of looked up to in a design sense for a very long time. Um, I kind of knew him as a designer before uh, we met uh, as riding buddies. Um, but yeah, we chat about uh, what got him into riding and then uh, his uh, little sort of uh, race uh, club uh riding friendship group vibe thing called cycle club uh i'm trying every word there not to refer to it as a brand um <laughs> but uh yeah then we talk about uh bike packing we talk about his art and his process and a bit of print making um what uh what got him into textile design and uh what his plans are for moving to england uh pretty pretty shortly so uh, overall, it's a really, really rad uh, conversation that spans across a whole bunch of different things um, and a whole bunch of different topics. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really great episode. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, one last reminder, if you guys uh, want to get some goodies from Endurin, head over to the site and remember to use that offer code or discount code CC uh, on checkout and you'll get 5%. Uh, it directly supports me at the podcast, so it's super helpful. I got to pay uh, to keep the lights on. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great benefit. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Have a great day. I'm really excited to announce that I've partnered up with Local Grind for season two of the podcast. As most of you are cyclists listening, I have no doubt that coffee is part of your daily staple. If you're mad about coffee, Local Grind, South Africa's largest online collection of locally roasted coffees, is giving away a coffee hamper to the value of a thousand rand. All you have to do is go to the link in our bio and fill in your details and hit enter. The lucky winner will be announced at the end of Cross Chaining Podcast season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's hit it. Okay. Let's ben Eagle, thanks so much for joining me on the pod, dude. It's hey, a pleasure man. to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super <laughs> excited. I'm a fan of the pod. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, dude, firstly, uh, where do you come up with a surname like Eagle? So, funny story. It's actually my middle name, okay. but um, I just roll with it as my surname. I've considered even making it my real surname, but then I don't know what my middle name would be. Um, but yeah, my, my parents were hippies, man. So <laughs> my mom, um, sent my dad to go like register me after I was born or whatever. Mm. And they didn't have a middle name. So he was like, what should I make the middle name? And she was like, just come up with something on the way. And he came back and it was Eagle. <laughs> Shit, dude. That, well, yeah. that'll do. I, That's it. <laughs> I, um, I went to a, to a Waldorf school, so a, <sighs> bunch of my friends were like river and you'll uh, understand nature. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre bizarre names um yeah. 
But yeah, dude. So what got you into riding besides um, being an eagle? So I was actually <laughs> into bikes from a super young age. Um, I think I got my first bike at like three for my first, my third birthday um, and rode as a kid. I think for my fourth birthday, I got my first motorbike. So it was sort of motocross sort of took okay. over, but always had a BMX as like a youngster. Yeah. Had a bicycle always. Um, so I was super into it from a young age. It was always quite a daredevil as well. So then lost contact with riding in high school. As started, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Other things came up, I guess. I started, I joined a band, stuff like that. Yeah. So it wasn't as cool to be riding a bike, especially in Joburg where I'm from. Yeah. It's not as cycling friendly as Cape Town. Mm. So... Yeah, from a young age, started riding and then moved to Cape Town 2017. And I already knew Matt and Jared and Carl, who've been yeah. spoken about in the first episode. Yeah, um, Friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. <laughs> and they were sort of just getting into riding like really hard. And we all had like, they convinced me to buy a bike and we bought like clunky steel frame vintage okay. road bikes. Um and we just started riding around really yeah okay what was that first bike that you got um it was actually a pretty cool panasonic oh is this the yeah. panasonic well okay. it's actually another panasonic yeah oh, this damn, started dude. my love for japanese steel frame bikes but yeah it was a cool pa panasonic road bike down tube shifters crazy the that thing. they've made bikes dude. yeah like, it's super weird it's actually a cool story i've researched it a bit but um What's the what's the story there? Well, they were just quite innovative, innovative in in back in the day. Um, you could order custom paint jobs from them, okay. and like they had this whole like custom order email system, like in the eighties, I guess. Oh, fuck, dude. And it was like quite before, yeah, sort of before its time. You could get yeah. your name on your bike and like all sorts of stuff. So, That's weird, because like, I mean they're an electronics company. I know, yeah, now, but I think it's sort of where the heritage of the company is is bikes and they still so make right. bikes to this day in Japan. Really? Yeah, and they're really nice. Like do they still uh I guess they probably supply like a whole bunch of the Kirin racing bikes maybe. They still make Kirin bikes, yeah, for sure, but that's even more bespoke. I think they make gravel bikes and like really nice steel frame bikes. Wow. But like, I need to exclusively in Japan, yeah. I need to do some research on this because uh, that's really fucking cool. <laughs> no, yeah. They're, their modern bikes are actually amazing. So yeah. um, my first road bike was a Panasonic road bike that was way too big for me. It was like a 60 centimeter and I rode oh, like a medium. So Yeah, you're only like five centimeters yeah, tall. Yeah, so. it was like a thousand rand on, <laughs> on, on, on bike hub or whatever. So it wasn't bad, but okay, rode that for a bit, realized it was too big for me. And then Jared from Mother got me super into fixed gears and like track bikes. Okay. He showed me the bike he built, which you guys spoke about a bit. Yeah, the hand built, the hand built track one. bike. Yeah, and I saw that and I instantly got into that and started hunting for track bikes. And then that sort of derailed me from road riding a bit. I got super into the track bike thing. Um, Still am, still still, am. still have a few, yeah, but um, don't ride them as much anymore. The, knee, the knees can't really handle <laughs> it as much. But. There's something about that that aesthetic of the the track bikes that is just like that horizontal top tube. It's always been, I mean, even on the vintage road bikes, but something about that horizontal top tube. 
and the and the just, no brake like having no brakes on the, the handlebars yeah no the cables clean, like ah oh, dude so clean real like fixed bikes are yeah. something very very special yeah so i sort of got into that and watched jared and them also get super serious about road riding and yeah. like they started getting really competitive with each other got super <laughs> fast super quickly um and yeah we just rode around for like most of 20 2018 was sort of when i got back into bikes and picked it okay. up super quickly like from riding it as a kid as yeah. soon as i got on a bike 10 plus years later or whatever i like instantly knew it was it was going to be the new bug so yeah yeah. I wonder if it has anything to do um, with being or like riding motocross at a stage. For sure. Yeah. Well, that will that leads me into mountain biking, actually, which I okay. then only later discovered. And the other day I realized I was like, I kind of wish I discovered mountain biking first now. Yeah. When I was discovering road bikes. But because it's so good to mountain bike here in Cape Town. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where my actual skill lies. Um, I was never, and this, I've never been like super into racing. As soon as I started taking cycling a bit more seriously, probably in yeah. 2019 or whatever, I like really stopped enjoying it. So yeah. that was when I realized, cool, like I'm not, I'm not a racer. Yeah. I'm not a, a heel climber. Yeah. I, I, I can keep up with the pack, but I'm, I'm not out front with you guys like thrashing it. But. <laughs> Um, and I started riding mountain bike a bit. My friend, Julian, friend of the pod. Yeah. Shout out to Robin A. Total friend of the pod. He um, came up last week in last week's episode as well. So yeah, no, he's a legend. <laughs> um, so he, he, he had a mountain bike to lend me for a bit. And before I even met him, he lent me his bike through our other friend, Alistair, which was super nice of him. And that just, that's a testament to the kind of guy Julian yeah. is. He's the kindest guy ever and will lend you anything you need like with a smile on his face but um started mountain biking a bit on his like dual sus mountain bike and rode with guys who were way better than i was but yeah. picked it up immediately felt comfortable and it took me back to like the motocross sort of days and i realized like that's actually where my skill lies is mm. I wish I discovered downhill yeah. as a youngster. I, I didn't in Joburg, it's not really a thing. So I didn't really know much about it. I'd seen it through doing motocross, but I've become a big fan of downhill racing yeah. in the past you know, year or two. Yeah, I, I I totally get that. I mean, um that's yeah, like we've chatted about it before. That's where I started yeah, my love for, exactly. for cycling. And like every now and again when I do ride on the mountain bike, I don't ride it as much as I should at all. But there's something just so, so epic about a mountain yeah. bike. And uh, yeah, just absolutely love it. And then also like riding the trails here in Cape Town is, is so good. epic, dude. And there's just so much that you can, that you can ride. Yeah. So much variety, which is so cool. Yeah. And, so, and riding like with people who are better than you is, is such an amazing thing. I, yeah. I know I've brought that up a couple of times, but it's like, you don't get the same, uh, you don't get the same out of it in a road ride if you're riding with people better than you because no, it's true. They just well, end up being stronger. I like, think that's, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They just drop you. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, cool. I'm cool. riding on my own anyway. <laughs> I think that's what's cool about mountain biking is like the the skill involved is sorry the skill involved is um, 
it's it it's just adds so many different aspects to the ride where yeah. on a road bike it's really fun to go fast downhill or hard to go up uphill or whatever but on a on a on a mountain bike going fast downhill off road watching out for rocks hitting jumps mm. like trying to corner not slide out like yeah it's really exhilarating so i think that's where it excites me a lot yeah and i uh, yeah just to, to iterate it again like i think a lot of the top dudes as well they have that motocross experience and it just helps you to go faster with a lot more confidence because they yeah. like you're just better at handling a machine exactly and at like, high speeds and, and yeah like cornering is is something that like ro- roadies uh you don't see it very often um like it, it's not the same kind of you know cornering no but you see it all the time just, in the in the peloton where guys have mountain bike backgrounds yeah. or cyclocross backgrounds yeah like vote and uh bdp or whatever yeah, whoever the dudes are um you see the the skills they have are far superior to the other guys on the road i think i remember last year in the paris roubaix there was a there was a section just as they got onto the Arenberg. yeah and uh someone crashed directly in front of fanart and like that anyone else would have just basically died <laughs> like he, he just it. like somehow managed to stay on his bike uh keep his his yeah. pace like yeah. pretty much like That's where it was cross for you exactly and like. Th- like a guy just literally fell out of nowhere like right in front of him he had nowhere to go and he just rode away just like nothing. over him yeah and it's it's just amazing like it's it's honestly um yeah it's just really cool to yeah. see that like since i've started time. following like a lot of the downhill riders you see them in their off season are all riding motocross which makes sense yeah yeah and you can see it now like there was recently um dark fest uh yeah so in cool. cape town or in Stellenbosch. yeah um and i mean a lot of those dudes are motocross riders but the the speeds that they're going at i know that there's there's one section where you go it's like the, well, the first step three up. jumps and then the step up yeah where the dudes are hitting that jump at like 70 k's an hour that's insane that's and those those insane. jumps are motocross sized they're yeah. big for motocross you know I what think, i mean so it's like motorbike sized jumps yeah being I, hit on downhill bikes at 70 k's an hour it's dude insane. it's absolutely <laughs> crazy like i think one of the one of the jumps there the double that they have it's like boom boom and then that that double um there was a really gnarly crash there last year. I think a dude tried to double backflip it or something. But it's those. I think it's a ninety footer. Yeah. It, yeah, the it's the biggest. Whatever. It's crazy, dude. It's like insane how big that gap is. Um, and yeah, it's just absolutely nuts. I I went to it the the one year earlier uh, just on. before COVID. Okay, yeah. And just seeing that jump and seeing people do it in real life is is insane because it's basically a rugby field. Uh, or like okay not that much yeah but for sure but half a rugby huge. field and dudes are are whipping like 90 degrees on this thing <laughs> like what the fuck dude yeah and they're hitting that jump at at like 70 it looks like they should now. be on motorbikes to be honest they're so big i yeah. wanted to go this year but didn't make it through it just looks mind-blowing yeah it's 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 definitely worth it um cool so at what point did you guys start uh so there's there's cycle club but i i know there's like a preemptive cycle club the the hesheng yeah okay what's the story there so it basically started as i have a couple friends and 
So some of my other friends started getting into riding and I would often take them out and just, sh I sh sort of showed a few guys like the ropes of riding throughout Cape Town. I I'm sure you've seen as well, and we'll talk about it later, but the growth of the cycling yeah. community here is insane. Nuts. So, um, <clears throat> I had some friends who we had this little Monday night supper club at this restaurant called He Sheng in okay. Seapoint. It's a really good dumpling restaurant. And just like the small little hole in the wall. And we started going there and we'd ride our bikes there and just hang out on a Monday, have dinner. And the one time we were like wanting to find an excuse to make T-shirts, basically. We were okay. like, we should do a race. Yeah. And then we can make T-shirts and we can call it He Sheng Cycle Club. Okay. And we we're like, yeah, that's a cool idea. And it was just sort of dinner banter. But then eventually we sort of got talking about it and we thought it could be an actual thing. This was around the time Jared was doing his sort of first few mother races as well. Mm -hmm. And the community was growing. So what we wanted to do really though, was highlight how cool the restaurant was. Um, okay. A lot of people didn't really know about it, even though they, they lived in Cape Town, but um, the owner may has been there for, for years in Seapoint and yeah, just really good food. So we wanted to, do a little race and then sort of make it an alley cat style sort of event and then have a meal back at the shop when it, everyone was done. So we just made, um, we spoke to May and booked out a table one day and we told her we're going to bring lots of guys on bicycles. She didn't really understand what <laughs> yeah. was going to happen, but we rocked up there one day and we did a little alley cat called He Sheng Cycle Club. Um, and everyone got a free t-shirt and a meal with their little entry fee free at the end of the ride. So cool, and dude. yeah, they had to like ride around the, the area. The, the second one was the, sort of the, the main event was ride it. The race was to the top of Seikobosi and back down, which yeah. is sort of the standard Cape Town cycle out here. So it was really cool to introduce a lot of new people to the restaurant people were like blown away by the food and may just kept bringing out like hella dumplings <laughs> so it was yeah it was a, a cool little event and then that sort of i guess i'm going to use my worst word of 2021 pivoted into nice um cycle <laughs> club <laughs> it's basically in covid we we couldn't really do the races anymore so but before you carry on what um what is what is cycle club just so everyone knows yeah so cycle clubs just a little like cycling i guess we we don't even really know what it what it was in the beginning it, it started out as the race and it just became like a little cycling community where we would Okay, let me let me sort of <laughs> let me go from the COVID thing because yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. sort of what what created Cycle Club was. We we couldn't really do the races anymore, so we're like maybe we can just make some cool cycling merch. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll call it Cycle Club. Yeah. Um. So we started making some like hoodies and T-shirts okay. and little like on the bike, off the bike accessories. We actually made a little pouches for your phone to go in your pocket yeah um and the quintessential covid buff and the covid buff which was <laughs> iconic at the time um so that's sort of how cycle club came about we were like 
this could be a cool little way to start a little community around yeah. different cycling events, highlighting different uh, restaurants, highlighting different rides or races, doing just chilled group rides that are not really competitive. You could join the Hesheng Cycle Club race to ride it or you could mm -hmm. race it. Um, so the non-competitive aspect was sort of like a big thing about Cycle Club, just to be inclusive for people who aren't really into that. Yeah. But yeah, we just started making some cool little cycling accessories and we wanted to make them different. So if you look at it, like most of the stuff has a smiley face or a sad face, like yeah. slapped on it, try to bring in like color and just make it different to a lot of the brands out there who, mm. I don't know why, but a lot of cycling brands are just like the same as just every nothing. other brand. Yeah. They just like try to be. And so know. serious, dude. Like there's such a. I think a that's the thing. Yeah. The history of cycling is like super serious and. Mm very like male dominated and white so i think that's all sort of changing now which is cool to yeah. see yeah i guess that's that's kind of the one of the things that that stands out about it for me obviously like and and that's that's the point but it's it's rad that that i think yeah from from my side like the whole point about the podcast is to kind of make cycling just an easy thing to to talk about and it's not racing it's not who's best who's got the comms uh it's just more accessible and yeah. it's just fun like no, exactly it doesn't have to be so serious and it's uh it's cool when when brands do that as well and they, exactly, they can kind yeah. of see that like a lot of it lies in just normal people yeah and bikes. i mean we've never really wanted to call ourselves a brand but that's why i guess it's just a club like where guys yeah. can hop on join rides, hang out. It's just like the yeah. the community, which is cool to see, as I was saying earlier, like how much it's grown. Mm. Um, there's so many people out on bikes, Dude, so many more women crazy. riders, which is really cool that, yeah, you wouldn't see as many women out there before yeah. COVID. And, and I now. think I think Fixie Fit has a huge uh, role to play in exactly. that as well. Exactly. Like, also, they've done a really cool job of just bringing yeah. people who, who aren't necessarily wanting to be roadies or serious. People just want to ride their bike. People just want to ride their bike. Yeah. Check out the city. Yeah, it's it's super cool. I think they they really had uh, a, a massive impact there. Um, yeah, for sure. I think they were on Expresso or something. Uh, this week and, yeah, uh, and like it's, Oakley it's so rad, international dude. campaigns and stuff. It's yeah, it's wild. Well, that too. Like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> it's fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so at what point did you start like getting into the whole bikepacking thing? Yeah. That's something that you've done a whole bunch of times with, with a couple of mates, but, um, I think, yeah, I, I've, I love bikepacking and I haven't done it enough. Yeah. Uh, but it's super fun. And every time you do it, you kind of realize like, oh, I shouldn't have packed this. I should have totally fucking remembered my steak. It's a big uh, job. Like, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. So yeah. yeah. How did you, how did you get into it? Um, sort of the same idea as cycle club. It was like mm. part of the crew of guys I was riding with at the time. And we, um, we just wanted to get out there basically. And we, 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 I guess at the time COVID was like yeah. happening, so we couldn't really do much. And after lock the sort of hard lockdown, we were like, it's time to get out of here on the bikes. Mm. So a few of my friends, we'd sort of just 
made a promise to try get out there as much as we could last year in 2021. And we each started buying the small little things we needed, bags and racks and whatever. And eventually we just did a spur of the moment trip out to the Cedarburg, which was like mm -hmm. the first one. And yeah, we did three or four other trips last year out to Grayton. And I mean, we, we didn't really know what we were doing, but it was the, the most fun we've, we've had on the bike in yeah. ages. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. You realize really quickly that doing 100 Ks with a, a fully loaded bike, that's, that's probably 20 same, plus no. kgs. Yeah, it's, it's really not as fun. Mm. So yeah, figuring that all out was really fun. And it's, I would like encourage anyone to do it. It's, yeah. it's, it's really a cool thing to do on the bike. And just the accompl uh, accomplishment you feel once you get to your destination, knowing that you hold all your clothes, your tent, everything that you need there. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely riding with a fully loaded bike ain't the same. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> especially on, on, especially like on a climb roads. and a gravel road. Yeah, gravel miles with a loaded bike are not, yeah. not you the can, same you as can riding on the like, road. You can almost immediately feel... How, like the different muscles i specifically feel it in my knees they just get like absolutely wrecked up a climb like after yeah. a day of riding with a heavy bike and you're just like holy shame <laughs> my my one friend who joined on the first trip he wasn't really as fit as as us i mean we weren't really that fit anyway so the first ride we were like yeah we can do 100 k's to the campsite yeah um, that's super chilled that's chilled we ride 100 k's <laughs> on the weekend like yeah. all the time that's all right but doing it with a fully loaded bike was a whole other yeah. mission. By the time we got to campsite, probably took most of the day and much longer than we had anticipated. You yeah. always have to, yeah, just add on a couple extra hours for, for just bike for backing. like anything. Yeah. Did you guys ride with tents and sleeping yeah, bags? Everything. And like the whole so thing. we carried probably way too much stuff on the first one. And that was really cool, figuring out what you don't really need, what you do need, and just refining our little kits like throughout the year. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, carrying everything, including food and all of that is a, it's, it's a lot of work yeah. and you've got to plan ahead a lot. So. And it, it takes up like, realistically, it still takes up a lot of space because at the end of the day, we're not buying the crazy expensive ultralight like exactly yeah exactly we're buying tents. meat and like yeah. rolls and we were making like gourmet burgers yeah <laughs> going all out that was the one thing we realized after the first one is just take a lot more food than you think you need dude 100%. and take good shit that you want to yeah. eat like chocolate and, and and sweets and and we were making the yeah hamburgers and yeah all sorts of stuff just because that's what feels good when you get there and you're so hungry by the time always so hungry yeah and and one hip flask is not enough no <laughs> never <laughs> enough it's never enough. no um did you guys so what what tent uh do you take with yeah do you guys, do you guys do you, did you share a tent i did didn't you, share did... a tent we each took just small little tents there's actually a cool brand locally called scuttle.co.za i think okay um but they are awesome they um rent out pannier bags uh okay. tents bike packing accessories like pots and burners s-k-u-t-t-l-e -T 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 -E. yeah okay okay um 
and they yeah that that's where my friends rented their tents from and they have lightweight bikepacking tents available um and i just bought like a a small little one man or two man tent that's sort of packed yeah as tight as i could is it a was it a nature hike one yeah exactly okay. one of those nature hike ones um similar vibe but because they seem those to be, are those are what i would recommend yeah, yeah it seems to really be, good it seems to be like a, a really nice because they have a like a lightweight they call it a, a they've got bike a bike packing one. one yeah that one's quite small i think mm. just because it is it packs really small but um their little two man tent is it's really cool and affordable mm. and they actually make really good stuff it seems yeah nature it, hikes it, cool they do like a whole range of shit they do tents All sorts, and sleeping bags everything and, like, you need yeah like fire lights and yeah. things so they're definitely I actually, yeah i want to i want to spend way too much money on their websites so whenever <laughs> i go on i'm just like oh that's cool yeah they uh i i was on their website the other day um because i've we you recently, guys did a little trip yeah, yeah exactly we went on the little trip and like we ended up doing the the tent thing as well just because they didn't have they were renovating the chalets so we had to do the tent thing but luckily the they had tents that you could rent ah um, smart so i was wondering uh, about that because your packs looked super, super lightweight <laughs> so i was wondering where you stashed very those tents. sus yeah wh where was the car um <laughs> but basically they so it was really cool it was a, a cape nature um spot in on Eisberg. looked amazing and, dude they it was absolutely insane like we were i think seven dudes uh, each one with their own tent and yeah. then everything was like absolutely brand new oh wow um because they had just redone the whole place so the tents were new the sleeping bags were new the pillows were new um all the wow. cutlery crockery uh, oh, I mean, ones, <laughs> they took they Jeez. there's like a big tupperware with all of that stuff in. i think that's called bike clamping it's it's definitely <laughs> bike clamping um and dude for all seven of us it was like 550 bucks wow. for all of that shit. yeah that's the other cool Which thing about like, camping what the fuck? it's so cheap Insane. yeah it's it, like it's two, not, 200 rand a night or whatever it's like what, dude, what are you saying it's literally uh it, it's a sin for it to be that cheap yeah um, well, so. and that's the cool thing about once you've got all the stuff which you can build up over time you can just go whenever you want if you get home from work on a friday and you don't want to get out of the city yeah you can pack your bike and head out the next morning or whatever yeah. so it's such a cool thing and weirdly it sounds so like hippie to say but you feel super free yeah like, dude. <laughs> because you don't need a car or petrol or anything yeah. like that i feel so free <laughs> um you you totally do uh but even if even if like because i know the apidura stuff is really expensive mm. um it's well well worth it if you if you can afford that stuff then and if yeah if you're planning on doing a bunch of trips it'll pay itself off over totally. time yeah um but what you can also do is try and make your own stuff which is pretty cool did i um, see that you made your own little bag there was a yeah a little i made a frame bag for my gravel bike <sighs> yeah like a one that fits inside the whole frame so cool um and it's it's like it took a whole day but it's it's pretty simple like it's got a zip on either side it's got some webbing it's got like a whole bunch of attachment points that you can put stuff on wow and it's it's i mean i'm yet to test it properly but like if you've got a sewing machine or you can steal your mom's one or whatever like i did yeah <laughs> then 
um it's definitely something worth trying there's a Did whole you find a tutorial or yeah yeah, yeah there's okay, a whole cool. there's a whole like uh there's a whole hashtag that you can oh, dive cool. into um hashtag myog make your own gear oh so cool um, and like a whole reddit obviously cool. about it and like a whole bunch of dudes who who show you i've seen a few videos um there's this cool guy on YouTube called Cowboy Tommy. Cowboy Tommy, with dude, I have his name yeah. here. I want to bring him up. <laughs> oh, man. He's so cool. And uh, his bags look so good. And he just like makes them at home. And they're so really that's, good quality. That's the tutorial I watched is like yeah. you, you the put frame it, like, bag one. I saw it. Yeah. Exactly. So good. Put a bit of tracing paper behind your And it seems frame. kind of simple. Yeah. Trace dude. that frame out. You trace it exactly. You don't cut have to measure the, anything. The, like, cut out the panels and you just sew it all together. It's, it's perfect. But um, did you do the sewing yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You weren't like, mom. No, no, oh. I, I'm like, I, I love sewing actually. Cool. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so it's uh, exposed. Exposed, yeah. Um, I, I, I totally love it. So that's um, so cool. It's cool to make it. The it's, only thing is, we don't get like all the really nice X pack material. Oh, the X pack is what you need. That's the only reason I haven't made my own bag is because I yeah, want it to yeah, be yeah, X pack. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know what we're talking about, but yeah. it's that good fabric that it's, it's, it's lightweight. Uses. Yeah. It's waterproof. It's strong. It like holds its shape. And it's when you easy sew it to work box. with. Yeah. That's what looks cool yeah. about it. Um, there's, there's also another guy in Australia who has a brand called Hungry. Um, oh, so good. I love it so much. That's and so nice. Dude, his stuff is unreal yeah they sell um, it at like blue lug and crust bike sell it on their website yeah, exactly oh, so good um i think he got featured in the radivist at some stage mm. um, but there's a bunch of these Just niche makes, like yeah it's blown wow, up dude. the bike bag thing like it's become huge so if we can if we can find someone shout like if you, if anyone if, listening knows anyone <laughs> who can bring technical fabric pack yeah specifically. like waterproof cordura <laughs> ripstop that's not fake <laughs> hit us up. hit me up <laughs> we will start a company for you yeah I, I will um my friend zach actually <laughs> my first bike camping trip was jared mother amateur cycling clubs event called bane's clue for rush yes dude which i think infamous. happened in 2019 yeah yeah that was so cool um i just strapped some pannier bags that i rented from scuttle on my road bike overloaded it way too heavy yeah. was taking like jeans and hoodies <laughs> and i don't know why i took jeans look like, you gotta be comfy yeah anyway <laughs> the clothing was yeah the clothing is what gets you that's what weighs a lot actually yeah so um my friend zach made a little well he got his mom to make him a bag like the night before for his frame as well he didn't have too many bike bags and his mom just whipped up a little frame bag that it worked for the trip. Classic mom, yeah, eh? exactly. Put a little zip on it and it was it was cool. So sick, dude. I, I honestly I'm such a huge backer of like, I don't know, trying to make your own shit and yeah. uh, just seeing how it works because inevitably you're gonna screw up something or you can improve something and I don't know, maybe you can come up with a cool way to solve a problem that like I it's, don't know, Dura well, and those dudes. That's sort of why I became like a designer and an artist. It's just like making stuff with your hands is mm. such a it's such a cool thing to do. And people don't really do it anymore as much. That mm. was what I found. I started making I guess we I'm I'm segueing into the art. Segway, dude, segway. Um <laughs> started making prints it was sort of when i stopped playing music i 
I needed a creative outlet and I yeah. started messing around on Illustrator and started making these prints, which I wanted to, I didn't want to digitally print them. I just wanted something more tactile. Yeah. So, that, so a little bit of context there is like people may have seen, but you make these beautiful uh, prints, um, but they're not just like printed on paper with a printer. You, you do a most whole of them process. Are done by hand. Yeah. yeah. So... I do different I do different types now, but initially it started out with me doing a silk screen print. Okay. And I started in January and I did one at the the end of every month. I think this was in 2015. Um and I just in initially I just started making five. Um yeah. one of my friends was an artist and I spoke to him and he sort of helped me um get in contact with this guy in Joburg a really old school screen printer who had a little studio at his house okay. and he sort of taught me and showed me how to print um at his house in in Joburg which was it was a really cool experience learning to like make something I would first design it and then you would have to like make the whole print yeah by hand where you do layer by layer and you have to make a negative screen so that you can like print through the screen onto yeah. the, the paper. I'm sure most people know how screen printing works, but <laughs> um, I do other, other types of prints as well. So I even do paintings these days. That sort of just led me to every month release a new artwork, um, which I, I don't do anymore now. It's sort of led into me doing commission paintings yeah. on paper. I do risograph prints, which are another type of print that i was gonna say this is a whole different technique that's a different um, technique which is actually it's it's really cool it's kind of like the cousin of screen printing they say where it's a special type of printer which they used to use a lot back in the day they don't really use so much anymore okay. and the printer uses ink and screens as well so it makes a little screen for each layer and it's the same thing where some people might remember it where you'll put in the piece of paper for each color layer it spits it in and spits it out so you'll yeah. print like the cmyk essentially you have different color inks only certain colors um so you can't choose any color you, you want you have to design the design for specific colors okay and you can obviously change the opacity and layer the colors to make different effects yeah, so yeah. it's really cool with the layering with a risograph printer you can like layer different shapes or whatever on top of each other you can print photographs even because it'll just print the yellow then the green then the pink then yeah. the blue or whatever um and that combination and that can, can become you yeah a color photograph yeah. yeah but it has a really cool feel to it because it still uses like a special film screen inside the printer and each print comes out different essentially okay. there'll be tiny little marks or yeah it's quite interesting it sounds it sounds beautiful. I've watched what, the, there's a video of you, um, making a print, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a beautiful process. Um, we did screen printing in third year. Yeah. Uh, and like I, and in high school and I remember it being, yeah, it's just such a rad process. I was so it's a lot of work. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. But the reward is really cool. It just comes out different. And that's what I really like. I always liked my prints to have maybe, just small little inconsistencies. I don't like them to be perfect and printed digitally. It's just too easy, yeah. I guess. So um, it gives it just a different feel. Yeah, I guess so, that's, yeah, that's, that's what, sort of snowballed into me just um, 
working with a bunch of brands, I guess, um, making art and commissions for yeah. people and yeah, brands who I've worked with. Um, Super rad. And yeah, try to bring it into Cycle Club and that's sort of where that design mm-hmm. aesthetic comes from as well as just trying to bring in more creative, creative like yeah. energy into cycling clothes, I guess, cool shapes, cool yeah. colors, cool Because you, you essentially have such a rad canvas to work on, the canvas being like all the cycling shit that you can make. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's a casquette or like little tote bags or messenger bags yeah. or like... Uh, Bike bags, uh, bike whatever. Bags. Yeah, there's so bike much. <laughs> um, there's so yeah, much there's... you can make for bike riding and there's so many bike accessories. So, wow. yeah, we've got a lot of ideas for the future, but we're just kind of just letting it grow organically. Mm. Uh, myself and my partner, Dylan, yeah, who was the dude who we thought of the idea together um, at He Sheng back in the day. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we, we both have other jobs and other work. So it's like a little side gig that we just do when we can. And it's, it's not meant to be anything too serious and mm. we are just trying to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, I know you're also uh, like, one thing that you've that you've done with the designs as well is moved into a more sort of textile based uh, media, which yeah, is super rad. Exactly. So you've made like a whole bunch of carpets and like wall hanging features. Yeah. Um, how do you like, is there a specific way that you design for something like that? How do you make a carpet? Like, <laughs> that's so fucking cool. <laughs> so this is how, yeah, this is where I've been approached by other brands. The, the collab I did was something good. It's a, cool little um, local brand based in Joburg um, it's just they approached me and wanted to do something cool and they make these amazing yeah little throw rugs for like your bed and we started out making these wall hanging tapestries that was the mm. first collab we did um, and she knew a, a weaver who could weave the designs for us okay and yeah for that i kept the design super simple because it is hand woven so you can't really get straight lines or anything like that it's like knitted into Mm. like a wall hanging tapestry so that was really cool and those were those did really well and yeah yeah we just try to like keep the same theme for the the blanket we did in the next collab But um, I recently got one of those tufting guns, which is like a carpet no making way, gun. Dude. Yeah, it's like a rug gun. I've only seen these on Instagram, but basically you have like those things that they use to put those uh, plastic tags on furniture. Sort of like that. Yeah. And you just like <laughs> shoot into a like. Yeah, a, it a uses wool. And you just like. It's like an you... automatic like knitter almost. I guess. Dude, so, that is so sick. What's yeah. it like? It's actually, it's, it's really hard to do. It looks so easy on video, but to get all the accessories and everything I needed was hard here. What's it called? A tufting gun. A tufting gun. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super fun once you get the hang of it, but it's quite hard. Yeah. It's like a proper, like motorized. If you get your finger in front of that thing, it's going to like knit through your fingers. So You've got to be careful. It's like a big yeah. sewing machine that you can like hold and move around, I guess. Dude, that is 
so cool <laughs> so it's been fun yeah fun to try like learn and see what i can do with that yeah have you made anything complete yet or are you just testing stuff? i'm still in the testing phases pretty much but okay. it takes hours to be honest yeah you've got to do line by line like yeah. the, the bigger the piece the longer it takes essentially so you've got to keep it really close and then to make not make holes in the backing fabric is really hard so it's been a it's been a cool challenge and learning yeah. process. So what what causes like what would cause a hole in the So you have to use this like fabric um like stretched out. If you think if you look underneath your carpet it's always got that like it's got it's like a, that, a grid. Yeah, that grid fabric. Yeah. So you need that and that's yeah. essentially what you tuft into and it cuts off the wool and sticks it in the carpet. So Okay. That's how it works. And then you have to glue the back of it and so that everything stays where it is when you yeah. like use it or put it down. Okay. But um, is there like a specific tempo you have to use? You can change the tempo, but yeah, it's quite interesting. It's motorized, so it just sort of like goes by itself a bit and you've got to guide it. Okay. Yeah. So it does, it's kind of exactly kind of like a sewing machine because a sewing machine also like pulls itself exactly yeah it's, you, it pulls the fabric. you you would you would know the vibe from your sewing background yeah i'm sure you'd pick it up pretty fast i would love to try it sounds amazing and it's like one of those things that's come up on my instagram search yeah they're so super times. popular as well at the moment so many people doing it so um there's also there seems to be a like a a, a digital one actually where people have like a it's the same concept, a gun that you hold, but it prints. Uh, oh, yeah, those ink guns. And as you move the gun across, it will like print whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, those are really cool. They're for like industrial use for like uh, yeah. printing on barrels and boxes and stuff like yeah. that. So they've now like commercialized that technology. Yeah, well, the first brand to actually start doing that was a really cool little brand called Market from LA. Okay. They used to be called Chinatown Market and now they're just called Market, but they before anyone else were doing their they they bought a bunch of those guns and were printing tees okay and they would just take white t-shirts and print all over them and it looked really cool and they would do it at like pop-up events and stuff like that and it was such a smart idea because you can yeah. just program any little design into this machine and then you drag it across and it prints instantly yeah, on so, any, like on any t-shirt yeah so they've done yeah really cool stuff with those i've seen artists using those now Really cool uh, graffiti artist called Felipe Felipe Pantoni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was using it on a canvas, like yeah, doing yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this is the video I saw. It's, okay, it's yeah, insane. yeah, yeah. Like that's one of those. It's just an industrial like print gun. Crazy dude. It's so smart. It's yeah. very cool. Um, and he put his own patterns in there, and then just like printed it on a canvas. It's yeah. I love I love seeing this. Like like you were saying earlier, you, you don't get. I don't know, it feels like we lose touch a little bit with the tactile and like physical yeah. world a little bit. And you'll get it with making stuff by with a sewing machine. It's mm. just like the feeling you get after accomplishing it. It's Dude, just making something in real life, whether it's like a, a beautiful plate of food or, yeah, I don't know, just a drawing while you're on a Zoom call is just... I don't know. Making shit is just so fucking it's cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's how we became designers as well, I guess. So yeah, that's sort of the same thing. Hundred percent. What's the what's the um, like your your work has a very specific uh, feel to it. It's obviously quite an abstract. Yeah, uh, super feel, abstract. What's your what's your inspiration? <laughs> what, 
where do you get like uh, for me the i also like the the art if i do make art it does end up being pretty abstract but it's because my mom uh is an abstract uh, painter and artist oh, wow. and she from a very young age was like yeah so wasili kandinsky is basically your idol and <laughs> the bauhaus <laughs> is like that you just don't try anything else that's so, so cool um like for me, it's just because of, that's the way that I kind of into just it. love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I love it. Like right. a, a beautiful yellow square is yeah. amazing for me. Amazing. But what is it for you? <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make something, I guess in the beginning, it was just about making art that's like approachable. And I always said it's not smart art. Yeah. Back in the day. It doesn't um, have to have like a philosophy. It doesn't have to be super, yeah, like hectic or have big philosophies behind it or whatever so i just wanted to make stuff that could fit in almost any room mm. like if people want to put it in their bathroom if people want to put it in their kitchen yeah it will fit in any space and when you walk into that room it's going to catch your eye and that sort of was the initial idea i guess behind it so just making just really approachable art that appeals to a wide audience and isn't I guess it's kind of understandable. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go like, I think this is actually pretty funny because it's a, it's quite a big parallel with my mom's uh, like art as well. She's always advocated for like just making stuff. I, why do you like it? Because it's cool. Yeah. Like, because I made why. it because I, it's rad. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, and it's, it, you can, you can uh, like, um, break it down and, and, and try like to put it into design principles. It. And it's like yeah. the proximity and the way that the line and the contrast, and like <laughs> da, 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 da. but you don't have to, it's just cool. There's a, like a beautiful square, and yeah. a beautiful shape and the, the two colors go really well together. And, and it's, it surprise, actually is. Like it. <laughs> and this is what I've discovered over doing it over time is it's harder than people think. A lot of people look at it sometimes and just think, Oh, I could draw that shape, you know, exactly. But to put in the right context with the right colors and to place them perfectly i've found it completely changes it sometimes so yeah. often yeah it takes me a while to figure out the composition and, and where i'm going to place everything because it needs to work together like really well yeah but a lot of people yeah um just say like oh i could i could do that yeah but i'm like you didn't <laughs> but so do it then. yeah <laughs> but you didn't <laughs> Um, okay, I want to take it back to bikes quick. Yeah. Uh, I know you are leaving to London pretty soon. I'm off soon, man. Yeah, just um, like Ross also. Yeah, man, everyone, everyone's getting out of here. Um, but fair enough. And like, it's going to be an amazing journey. But one thing that you do have are a handful of very cool different bikes yeah um can you give me a, a, a little quick, rundown a quick little rundown of what the yeah. storage sad to holds. it's sad to <laughs> have left i've had to sell a few but um i, ne I never went too crazy but I, I definitely caught the bug quite hard um started out with that panasonic back in the day and then yeah. i got into the track bike so till recently i had three three track bikes wow which is quite a lot <laughs> to have for track bikes because they yeah. <laughs> it's quite, quite a lot to similar have because we have because because of all our amazing velodromes yeah <laughs> exactly so but yeah recently i picked up an njs oh, stamped wow. presto track bike which is yeah. well it's a kieran bike from japan 
that's that's like a so, collector's piece yeah i could i couldn't say no to it they don't yeah. pop up here ever really mm. so when that came up for a really good price i just i couldn't say no even though i knew i didn't need another track bike um and that's that's been really cool it's been really cool to build that up and ride it and when i got into track bikes in the beginning jared showed me how cool kieran yeah. racing and njs bikes were and i was always dreaming of having one sort of gave up on it long ago and then this one popped up for like a ridiculous price that's a cool thing here i guess is people don't know secondhand bikes are yeah cheaper than overseas so is this one you're keeping yeah i'm gonna have to keep it so that <laughs> one's just that one's going purchase. to london yeah <laughs> that one and another track frame so okay. yeah so one and a half track bikes okay and then my other fun bike is the panasonic another one that i now have it was an old mountain bike which i bought and this one you've made into like a rad gravel bike yeah i want the the project with that was sort of my lockdown project i bought it and i wanted to should i just wait for it no that's cool <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> i'll just go from the top yeah oh, that's sorry fine. um anyway so the panasonic i i got and it was actually a vintage 90s well 87 mountain bike um and it was like my little lockdown project to try. I wanted to see if I could make an old 26 inch mountain bike rigid frame into a decent gravel bike. Okay. So it was quite cool. Cowboy I, Tommy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went through a few iterations of it, but I started slowly like um, pimping it out. I, I put drop bars on it. Um, I turned it into a one by drivetrain. I put a nine speed, like 11 to 40 cassette on it. So it's got a pretty decent like climbing range, range. yeah a <laughs> uh, little like modernized xt derailleur so that's helped the shifting um yeah just decked it out with like all the 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 accessories that i wanted i got the brooks saddle recently the most recent upgrade to it was the crust bikes nitto collab handlebars they're like super wide yeah. 52 or 54 centimeters so those are really nice for the gravel um and i've got like racks on it yeah i love the racks That's, yeah I, so I, that, i've always had a thing for bike racks and they're super hard to find in south africa mm. especially front racks and nice the one day especially. yeah i saw on facebook marketplace some guy was selling like a, a fixie bike with a front rack on it and i was just i messaged him i was like i'm buying that rack off you <laughs> today i don't know and i, I just care. offered him like 500 bucks or something yeah. and he that was like he, i think he was selling the whole bike for two grand so he was like oh damn okay cool he yeah. sold me the rack so yeah racks are really cool that's how i got into bike packing as well so, it's quite a niche but like racks are are very cool it's very, <laughs> it's a very niche topic but if you're part of the rack gang you'll know yeah i i, I love a rack i really want to get a rack for <laughs> my commuter they're so expensive man and it's because they're hard to make there's a guy on instagram who i follow who makes uh like dave moser makes bikes he makes bike racks and they're the like the most beautiful welding um like steel racks yeah they're it's honestly like works of art yes no that's apparently super hard to make because it is so much bending and fine welding and small tubes so yeah 
So, okay, so those are the three. So, yeah, okay, I'll break it down. I've got the track bikes. <laughs> um, I picked up, the first track bike I picked up was a brand called the Tokyo Fixed. I just bought it secondhand as well, but it had like some bling parts on it, Chris King headset, and I was nice. super into that. So yeah. that was actually a really cool brand from London, initially from Japan, but they had a shop in London, like back in the Fixie Boom days. Okay. And they made some really cool little track bikes. So I've got that frame and the Presto NJS frame. Okay. And then I've got the Panasonic gravel go anywhere bike. And I just sold my road bike, which was a cool titanium um, brand called Victoria. Yeah. Which is quite an interesting bike. It was made in Lithuania. Okay. In like, these, were, these were made from like old bomb plane parts or something. <laughs> it's like some crazy story about yeah so the story goes they were basically made in lithuania back in the day like early 2000s by a really good titanium builder um who now his brand is now called whitson cycles okay and they're super popular overseas he's like a renowned titanium builder because he used to build the old Kalnago tie bikes uh, okay. so apparently yeah he built the colnago tie frames back in the day and he now has whitson and he built these bikes called victorias out of old um russian like yeah it was basically tubing that they were going to use to make weapons i guess around yeah. the cold war days or some I somewhere know. around then yeah so after cold war ended they just had all this surplus tubing which went to make bicycles which is kind of crazy that is crazy so yeah it's like old russian military titanium tubes and it's like one of the best bikes i've ever ridden um, it's also Nils, one of the most beautiful bikes Nils, friend of the party was also had his own uh, episode he's got one as well yeah that's his sort and of he loves driver. it yeah uh, it's there's just something about titanium that hits different it like it's... absorbs the the road surface so well and the way I describe it is it's it's got the comfortability and like, yeah, the comfortability of steel mm. and the stiffness of carbon. That's how I basically put it. Yeah. It's like a stiff, comfortable road bike. So that was that was cool. Sad to see that one go. Yeah, that's a heartbreak. But man. it's going, yeah, it's going to a friend. So it's keeping in it family. in the family. Yeah. <laughs> and then what else do I have? I've got another 26 inch mountain bike. Okay. Also needs to go shame, but it's just a cool um, British Eagle okay. 26er made from Reynolds 531 tubing, which was quite like rare for a mountain bike back then or to find now. But yeah, cool tubing and it was called a British Eagle. So my nickname is Beagle. Okay. And I was like, British Eagle, the Beagle. Yeah, it, Beagle. It, I kind of, I have to buy it. That's a match was made purple. In yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> Used to cruise around on it a bit, do some like fun little chilled mountain bike trails on it with yeah. some homies, but that's going to go as well. And that's about it. Yeah. So five, I think five bikes is okay. what I currently have. So the, now the, I'm down the to three. Up, uh, uh, Panasonic is the one you're taking with to England, to the UK. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just because it's like a really good town bike um with the racks on i can carry groceries carry bags yeah. um 
can go anywhere. That's that's what I wanted to make. It's just a bike that can go anywhere. It's so cool yeah. to take that thing to the shops or to take it on Table Mountain. I've done some pretty technical like mountain biking trails yeah. on it for real. So it's that motocross background, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and the fat tires, the fat twenty six inch like two point threes. Oh man, yeah, are they, like, are they mountain bike tires? The ones I've got there are dirt jump bike tires, yeah, dude. just because Perfect. they're a bit better rolling for the road. But they, yeah, 2.3, if you let a bit of air out, and they're just so soft and cushy, and yeah. oh, it feels so good. Yeah, you don't need, you don't need anything else. It's yeah. pretty much perfect. So I'm excited to take that to the UK, see what other bits and bobs I can find for it on eBay. What are your riding plans on that side? Not too much. Well, actually... Um, Besides first stopping at Rafa and just redoing your whole inventory. You're going to have to buy a whole new <laughs> wardrobe at Rafa. Um, but... I've got some friends there who ride and they've invited me on a, a bike packing trip in September. Okay. Um, which Trial is, by fire. Yeah, out in the UK. It's hosted by Brother Cycles, which is a really cool brand as well okay. um, from the UK. And they make like gravel bikes, steel frame gravel bikes and stuff like that. And they do these events throughout the year all over in different parts of the UK. And you basically just buy a ticket and they sort out like the camp space and okay. the rides and you just go along for the weekend. So those, right. they look pretty cool. So we might do that, might do our own trip, but at the moment it looks like we'll do that. So other than that, Apparently, I'm meeting you in Girona in August. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, Someone, I'm a little excited. bird told me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to just, yeah, explore something, yeah. some other cities and ride over there. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, amazing. Alrighty, parking lot skids. Hey. Uh, this is the part of the show where we just do a couple of rapid fire questions. Yeah. Um, you can just say yay, nay, or like I'll give you an option maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, or you can answer with the whole paragraph. Okay, cool. That's also fine. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bat them off. So, firstly, design question: Paula Scher or Michael Beirut? Ooh, Paula Scher, longtime fan, okay. love Pentagram. Just the most iconic design agency ever. Yeah, and the work they've done is insane. I love going on their website and just looking at their projects. Yeah, it's 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 literally. I think uh, you know how Google has that. Like your most viewed. Yeah. They're always in one of those top six. Yeah. <laughs> I went to New York um, a few years ago, just before COVID 2019. Um, and yeah, just seeing like their designs out in the wild, in real like life, the yeah. NYC city parks <laughs> and those designs of theirs are, are yeah. so good, man. Yeah. It's, and the, yeah, the signage and like the way they, they take it so seriously and they just do such good work. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, they really, I think, value what design is. Yeah, for sure. In a, in a way that... And working at Pentagram must be, yeah, crazy. I'm sure the, yeah, the projects you work on there must be so insane. Yeah, I, I think it would, I mean, it would, it would terrify me. Yeah, same. I'm terrified of... <laughs> but like, Paula it must Scher. be she, she looks hectic. She's yeah. a badass. Yeah. So is Michael Beirut. Like, we have this book on him called How to Design, I think. Yeah. Um, good title fuck, dude and it's crazy like uh he goes through because he was a, a an, an apprentice with massimo vignelli for 10 years oh wow um imagine working for massimo vignelli no it's insane absolutely crazy okay yeah. next question is uh steel carbon or titanium 
steel or titanium. I don't mind, but probably titanium to be okay. honest. Yeah, it's just it's different, as I said. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite bike? Probably my Panasonic. Funnily enough, I've just okay. put so much, yeah, so many cool like hours into finding the parts and making it making it cool, and it just is so fun to ride. Yeah. Uh, almond croissant or chocolate croissant? I'm a chocolate boy. Yeah. Even from I don't like the Nordic. Even from Nordic. Okay. Oof, the Nordic croissants <laughs> are trash though. <laughs> Come they're at the, me. They're the best, but they're, they're also so bad. The <laughs> like um, just dry and like not <laughs> crunchy or like flaky at all. That's sorry, that, guys. They're chocolate croissant. I I love their almond croissant. I won't lie. Yeah. Like it's it's it's, it's iconic. Shit. And it's iconic. Uh, but it's um, their chocolate croissant is like. Uh, it tastes like like Sasko white bread. Yeah, you Nutella. don't want that chocolate like croissant. Like the fake Nutella. I haven't had that chocolate croissant for <laughs> years, so I wouldn't know. But it's the Chelsea the bun, not too bad. That's what I went for this morning. Yeah, Chelsea bun, a couple of raisins in there even. Yeah. Not the biggest fan of a raisin, <laughs> but I, I feel you. Uh, okay, 26-inch or 700C? Ooh, I'm a 26-inch lifestyle guy. Yeah. yeah. Give me a Kona from 2001. Oh, dude, any day, any man. Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, road or gravel? Gravel, I'd have to say, yeah. Okay. Just more exciting, yeah. Okay. And more rewarding, I guess, yeah. Um, keeping your coffee hot in a Stanley flask or taking a gas stove and a mocha pot? Taking a gas stove and a mocha pot, actually, yeah. Me and my friends did that the other day. Just on a just on, on a morning whim. ride. We've been speaking about it. Just doing coffee outside in the morning, like with the little gas burner. So we initially wanted to ride up onto the mountain, but yeah, we just went and found a cool little bench high up right. somewhere and brewed a little coffee in the morning. It was super cool. That's perfect. I'm sad I'm leaving because I wanted to. Yeah, I would have. I wish I'd started doing it earlier with all the other guys as well. That's such a cool thing to do. Just, just like you don't even have. It's not an excuse. You don't need to go over a exactly. day. Exactly. And the day we did it was actually, I think it was a public holiday, so most of the the coffee shops were closed anyway. So it worked out perfectly because we got back into town and didn't need to stop at a, a coffee shop. Yeah, amazing. Okay, last one. Uh, what's your favorite podcast? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> This is a trick question. <laughs> this, is, this is not a trick question. I know Are it's cross-changing. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously it's cross-changing. But um, for real, at the moment I'm listening to a, a pod, I'm, I'm really into the, the crime podcasts at the moment. Oh, okay. With like, a glass of white wine. They're so good. When you pick up your kids from school. <laughs> <laughs> Old waspy housewife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm um, actually listening to one about um, El Chapo, oh, the shit. drug okay. yeah, kingpin. Yeah. Just super interesting, like how the, his whole cartel would work. And yeah, they just capture capture you with the stories, man. Yeah. It's, and it's those insane. guys are ruthless. Like they will just, yeah, do whatever to make money. So yeah. it's really dark, but Both the- crazy to hear that it happens in the world. Yeah, like the content of the podcast is nuts. Yeah. And then also the actual podcast with like their production value and the so sound. So good, and yeah. The cuts and like the narration. The stories really get me, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, I think that's why crime podcasts probably do so well. 
yeah, it's uh, that's a, a hidden gem for sure. Well, not hidden at all, but that's a gem. For yeah. Sure. Um, cool, Ben. Thank you so much for joining me on the pod, dude. dude. That was epic. That that flew by, dude. That was an hour. That's insane. No, thank um, you so much. That was that was great, dude. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, hopefully see you soon. Come visit London. See you in Girona. We'll see you in Girona. But I'll be back in Cape Town as well. Yeah, we're gonna be up and down. So and all the best for for the coming weeks man. thanks coming man months. yeah and super yeah. excited I'm sure it's gonna go super well cheers man thanks thanks for having me